it was always part of the plan to put a brewery in, but for many years it, it was just a plan. It's 100% acquisition of Green Beacon. No, we had a chat with everybody. Anyone would have seen this coming a mile away. It's the passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing. Oh, yeah. That's super simple and direct question. It's always fun to get to speak about beer. And that's just what we're here to do, talk about beer. I'm Brews News Editor Matt Kirkegaard, and thanks to our partners, Cry Malt, this is Beer is a Conversation, our weekly sit-down with the people shaping the beer industry, and through these conversations, we dig a little deeper into the stories behind the business of beer and brewing. The Australian brewing landscape is evolving rapidly, and here we try and make sense of what is happening and better understand the issues shaping the industry. And this week, we return to the High Country Brewery Trail and some of the breweries impacted by the New Year fires. We visit Beechworth and that town's other brewery, Bilson's. I say other because Bilson's is probably not on many a beer enthusiast's radar. A recent addition to the Beechworth tourism scene, Bilson's is very much a labour of love for exercise physiologist turned brand consultant turned brewery owner Nathan Cowan. Under Cowan's hand, brewing has returned to the site at which Arthur Bilson established his brewery in Beechworth in 1865. It is built above a natural spring, from which water is sourced for all of the beverages produced on site. Operating as a brewery for almost 60 years, until Victoria's temperance movement saw it switch to cordials in the 1920s, Cowan has maintained the cordial business since taking over the business in 2017, and has returned brewing and added distilling to the beautifully renovated building. It's not hard to get caught up in Nathan's enthusiasm for the story behind the business and the history of the brewery and the building it occupies. Enjoy this chat with Nathan and his brewer, Tony Paul, as we learn the Bilson story. Nathan Cowan, Tony Paul, welcome to Beer is a Conversation. Thanks for coming to visit. Oh, mate, thank you very much for having us to Bilson's Brewery in Beechworth. And I have to say that you know this is my very... F- I've been to Beechworth a number of times, um, been to Bridge Road generally to come to, to Beechworth, but this is the first time I've been to Bilson's, which has only opened really in the last 12 months. We're a very new, very old business. So <laughs> whilst the site's been here for over 140 years now, we only got our liquor license 13 months ago, so... There's a few people yet to discover us. That sounds like a very well-rehearsed line, uh, the, you know, a very new, very old business. <laughs> tell us tell us about your background first and, and, and how we came to step into this beautiful old uh, building in Beechworth. Yeah, so um, my wife and I both lived in Melbourne. She was actually born in Albury, which is about half an hour away from here. Um, my granddad worked in one of the local pubs in Wangaratta. So we spent a lot of time up here visiting as children and on family holidays. Are you a Wangaratta or a Wang man? I'm a, <laughs> I'm actually a Wang man. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Wang no, in I, the dong. I, 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 I'd never actually heard uh, Wang Gratta called Wang because it's uh, obviously a locals term, but, you know, when you sort of uh, look at it, so you were just using the formal name for it. Yeah, yeah. So he, he had a pub in Wang. Um, but we were, we were living in Melbourne. I grew up playing as much sport as I possibly could. I was a terrible basketballer. And when I realized that I was the most unathletic basketball player that's ever stepped foot on a court, that I wanted to Ooh, go to... Might, we, we might have to have a, uh, a bad <laughs> basketball off uh, if you're going to use that sort of uh... <laughs> deal. <laughs> um, I thought I'll try and stay involved in the sport somehow. So I actually did a degree in sports science and went on to do um, a master's in physiology and ended up working in a hospital in a, in a rehab ward. Um, it was then when I went to kind of start up my own physiotherapy practice 
my dad, who has a successful packaging design business, came to me and said, I'd love you to be involved in the family business. Try, try your hand at it for a year. No strings attached. And so he was an amazing dad growing up and it was um, a really easy decision to say yes to wanting to help but also a hard decision because I was really intent on carving my own path in the world. So one thing led to another and I actually started a smaller design agency to try and help complement his offering um, and that's... Did you have a background in design or anything like that? No, I guess because I'd kind of um, been in and out of the family business growing up I'd always heard dad's passion for it um, his background was in retail he was um, a buyer for one of the um, for Safeway before they were taken over and so he came at um, design and packaging from a very different standpoint it was all about just helping consumers um, get in and out of a supermarket as quickly and efficiently as possible and get their shopping done and so when I went into the family business I really enjoyed it we were um, started off a team of myself and one designer and there was lots of smoke and mirrors. One of us would stay in the office to answer the phone while the other person got to go out at lunch. Um, but we ended up getting on the roster for Mondelez, which was a big company that owns brands like Cadbury and Sour Patch. And we were lucky enough to become their agency of choice and pretty much have done a fair amount of the packaging work for them over the last five to six years. So you've got a successful design and packaging business that you're involved in. Mm. How does that bring you from uh, you know, Urbane, Melbourne, out to uh, Rustic Beechworth? Yeah, so our days were spent talking about other people's brands and helping them to try and move them forward. And so we always thought if there's an opportunity to actually work on your own brand, especially one with, I guess, a really good story to tell and authenticity, then that would be really worthwhile. My wife, Felicity, also always kind of had an inkling to move to the country and raise a family, and we've just we've got a seven-month-old little boy, Charlie, now. Um, and so the planets aligned. My mum actually sent me an email and said, hey, check this out, this old brewery's come up for sale. And then we started to dive into the history of it and thought, yeah, that's worth saving, that's something worthwhile. Did you have any background in beer or brewing or you know, uh, presumably drinking it? To some extent. Yeah, we, um, we actually did some packaging work for some of the breweries. One of my favourites, in fact, definitely my favourite, was for Stomping Ground. Um, so we got to work with Steve, Justin and Guy on their identity mm-hmm. and you could just see how passionate they were about it and all the amazing things that they were doing and that was probably the inspiration to actually go and um, get into it ourselves so tell us the history of this building it was a brewery and cordial factory i I believe it is so it was actually australia's second oldest tower brewery the only one that sold as cascade in tasmania so the whole site was made to make beer there were these giant cornish boilers that generated steam not only did they heat the beer they helped drive grain elevators to the top of the tower and then it was this five-step gravity feeding process to make beer what came first, the idea for the for the brand or did you research the story? What was the process for bringing this uh, new project to life? It actually happened really organically. One of the first things that we did is we engaged a local historian 
and she was able to put together a really concise timeline of what happened here but in the process dug out some of the original recipes but also some of the beautiful old labels and so we found a cordial it was actually the raspberry vinegar cordial label from 1880 um that was same year that Ned Kelly was hung. <laughs> yes, that was um, yeah an absolutely stunning label. And at that point, we decided to go back to the original Bilson's name, which has been on the front of the building for 140 years, and use that to kind of guide the way. You make it sound so simple. It's well, you know, Mum phone found the <laughs> building. We've got a historian. Um, it's quite apart from the challenges of making a 140-year-old building suitable for modern uh, brewing and the costs involved. Um, you know, was it just something, you know, love the idea, we're backing ourselves, we'll go to the bank, or was there a lot more in, in, in behind that? How, how long did the project take to bring it to fruition? Initially, it was just Felicity and I um, that purchased the business and the building, and then I think things just started to transpire. So, Did you go back to your dad and say, hey, Dad, you know, you got me into your business. How about you get into mine? It wasn't like that. I think he, I think he came and he got a real sense for the, the history as well. And he's always been passionate about bringing out the potential in things and working on old buildings. And one thing led to another. And he, um, he actually purchased a little house in Beechworth, which was George Bilson's original cottage. Uh, which we plan to convert to accommodation in the near future. Did he deliberately buy that house or was that just a happy coincidence? We went to introduce ourselves to the neighbours. We were offering them a pie, actually, and she said, it's so sad that we're not going to... The neighbour said, it's so sad that we're not going to get to see this transformation happening. We're just about to move. And we said, oh, have you sold your house? And she said, no, we're about to. And then we worked out that it was George Bilson's original cottage. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, so, so again, what sort of time period are we talking about to go from mum's call to opening uh, 12 months ago? When we first got here, they were still using a 100-year-old bottling line for the cordial. And there was a... So there was still cordial on site when you, you, you um, first got in, interested in it? Yeah, so George Bilson um, opened up breweries in Telangada, Rutherglen, Albury, and there was quite a big one in St Kilda in Melbourne. George Bilson Jr. actually became the mayor of St Kilda in 1904 and when he did, the family sold the business. So that's when it changed its name to Murray Breweries and actually made their last beer, which was a stout, over 70 years ago. And so um, to try and bring it back to life, when we got here, there was just 14 different flavours of cordial and that was it. And so we... um, we originally just decided to try and restore the building as best we could. We brought on the first hire was actually a local builder who's fifth generation from Beechworth, has some really great local knowledge and also passionate about the history. And so he's helped, yeah, really start to restore the building. And the first six months were um, re rebranding the cordial, cleaning up the pigeon poo, <laughs> and that was about it. Was it initially a plan to just take over the cordial or did you always want to get into the the, the brewing side as well? I think when we realised that the significance of the Tower Brewery and um, the beers that they made here originally, we knew that it was something that should be done. Um, That at that stage was probably two or three years down the track, um, but things moved 
a lot more quick than even we expected, to be honest. Did you have to get you know fire people up with your enthusiasm for for the plan because it's it's, it's an expensive uh, refit. Um, you've got brewing equipment. Um, it's a beautiful uh, you know landscape landscape building now. Hmm. Um, I don't think so. I think it's one of those things that um, there's obviously lots and lots of people that are tremendously passionate about beer, but we've found that in this community, there's also lots of people that are incredibly passionate about um, history and also worthwhile businesses that try and make a difference. So when we took it over, for instance, there was two full-time locals employed and now we're up to 20. And so in a small town with only 3,000-odd people, that makes a huge difference. Absolutely. And it, that's one of the things that we're hearing about craft breweries, that they're becoming very big parts of their community, if just through the employment that they offer. How has the community welcomed you as somebody who's come up from Melbourne you know, with, with big plans to create something like this? How have you found the community has welcomed you? We've been overwhelmed, to be honest. Lots of the locals have come in and they've not only told stories about their grandparents that used to work here, they've shared photographs, they've introduced us to other people that worked here, um, they bring back old bottles that are still <laughs> full of cordial and everything. Anything they do to promote it, they can. On the weekend when we're at our most busy, 90%, I would say, of the people that come in, um, because we're off the main street here a little bit, it's still a hidden secret, is all word-of-mouth referrals from locals. They're the only reason that we've got to, got to where we are. So when you sat down to, to do this, you, you obviously brought your design vision to it because, and you can sort of see the sense of design that permeates everything. What was the plan in terms of did you just want to be a tourism-centred uh, business or did you have plans to build a brewery up and become a major regional distributor, for example? I think we, we probably still don't know what the plan is. <laughs> it's just researching George Bilson's original vision, which is he found this natural spring, which we still draw from to make every single product on site. He just wanted to make really good quality products that people loved. And I still don't think that we've made our most popular product yet. And I've got no idea in which way the business will be in five years. I know that beer will be a component. If it's the biggest component, I'm actually still still not sure. So that's part of the excitement for everyone here, I think. Now, Tony, uh, who we'll speak to in just a second, your brewer and distiller um, and cordial maker. Yeah, okay. So and does, sales does, ref and... <laughs> does everything. Are you a home brewer yourself? I'm not. No. Oh, you're not. So you had a vision and you realised you had to get somebody in to make these products for you. How did you go about doing that? We advertised. We put up a job ad and started to talk to the local community about what our vision was here. And because it was a rundown cordial factory with pigeons living inside, it was hard to try to communicate where we were heading. Um, luckily enough, Tony was one of the people that came in and I was able to give him a tour and he, I think he saw it from day one, what this place could be and what it was as well. So Tony, we might get you on mic now. So what, what's your background? Are you a local or did you see the ad uh, a little bit further afield? Um, no, I'm from Albury, Wodonga. So born and raised in Albury. Um, I actually seen Nathan in the border mail saying that he's taken over the brewery or the building and wanting to put a brewery and distillery in, in place. And yeah, I just got in contact with him on Facebook and came and met him. And yeah, obviously, enthusiasm and passion that he's got for this place, I couldn't go past it. And yeah, had and to be a part of it. What's your, what's your background? You're, you're background. a fairly young guy. Were you a brewer 
Yeah, I started brewing at about 19 or 20 years old um, at home. As, Can as I all, ask how long ago that was? Uh, that was about 15, 16 years okay. ago now. <laughs> so yeah, loved making my own ingredients and playing with different flavours and malts and hops and yeasts. And yeah, just grew, grew from there. And did you go off and study? Have, have, have you studied or are you just like a, a, a true home brewer who's made the, the transition to professional brewing? Yeah, there wasn't a lot of training courses back when I was learning to brew. I, I was a lot of a um, on the forums learning from German brew sites and translating to English and yeah, learning the true way of brewing to German purity laws and so forth. So yeah, that was my learning was basically an internet-based trial and error. Um, yeah, not many errors, <laughs> luckily. <laughs> we all make errors when we're brewing. But uh, So tell us a little bit about the distilling side. Had you distilled before the distillery plan crept up here? I were contracted to a few distilleries around the place, helping them with the mashing um, for those that wanted to make their own alcohol on site from grain. Um, so my brewing background definitely helped me transition those distilleries into that style of um, distilling and the mash, mashing of it. Um, and then, yeah, developed a passion to actually want to be a distiller. And, um, yeah, just grew from there. So I was sort of in two minds which way to go, brewing or distilling. So they're both separate, um, different beasts entirely. So luckily, yeah, I can do both of those in the one room. <laughs> so doing them both and cordial making. And cordial making and soft drinks. So, yeah, that was different. I've never done cordials before. Um, the trials to make new ingredients is is a lot easier than a beer. You can you can make it and taste it within an hour, whereas beer you have to wait for the fermentation process and carbonation and aging. So yeah, cordial was very good experience to play with ingredients quickly, and yeah, that's been a great challenge as well. Did you have commercial experience before you came along to Bilson's? Or yes, yeah, so I've worked at um, another brewery before, and yeah, contracted to other distilleries around helping them out as well. So brewing and distilling experience so when you got the job who came up with the well we're going to have this beer this beer this beer this. was that left to you or was, <laughs> was that a bit of everything we, we had a, a very small skeleton team when we first started i think there was four of us um that yeah i would just make a 20 liter batch while we were working out the the building redevelopment and how we we're going to fit all the equipment in and where we we're going to get the equipment from and so yeah just put together a little 20 liter system and made a few different batches up who yeah, was taste master well we were all taste masters we're all experts you know how it is um so yeah tweaked a few recipes early on um came up with i think the pale ale and the lager were the first two that we made and then the ginger beer and then actually finding a whole diary of original recipes that we um revived was very exciting and they're definitely outselling my original brews oh really yeah so how did you go about because a lot of the hop varieties wouldn't be available these yeah, days. We, we did a bit of research on where they were getting their hops from. So a lot of local hops, obviously, they couldn't travel too far to get them on horseback. So, yeah, we did, developed a lot of recipes around the style of hops that they had availability to locally. So using more like modern aromatic hop varieties or are you sort of They going were to- a lot of bittering varieties to start with. So we've, um, we're yet to do the Aubrey IPA which is a dark-styled, um, mid-strength IPA, so more hop-driven style. But a lot of the original recipes were more malt-driven, so hops were more for bittering. Mm-hmm. Um, the stout in particular, they were very famous for, so, it's, yeah, it's not highly ar- aromatic hops varieties anyway, so more bittering 
additions for those ones. Have there been any difference between the techniques of the beers that you're making as a home brewer and the ones that you've discovered in these brewing diaries? Uh, similar. The process is very similar. Um, their measurements were a lot different. <laughs> There's lots of measures for handfuls of this. And <laughs> looking at the old brewers in the 1880s photograph that we've got upstairs, their hands are a lot bigger than mine. So <laughs> there were a little a bit of a conversion trial and errors for that one. But same, same basic principles, different equipment. They used a lot of gravity-fed systems, whereas nowadays we're single, single um, level with pumps and everything. So, yep, yeah, heating techniques. We use steam in our brewery now, so they would have used wood-fired steam in their boilers. So, similar in that aspect. And how did you go about deciding what was good for the, the current market? You've obviously got. Um, Bridge Road down the road um, that you're in collaboration with, I guess. I mean, you, you, do you... No, there's no competition between us and Bridge Road. They they do an amazing job, and we're here to help bring the tourists and and to let customers experience the whole different range. So we we do a lot um, of different styled beers, I guess, more more traditional, okay, easy drinking styles. We don't like to push the boundaries too far. So yeah, I think we're two different, separate. Yep. So is that, is that in keeping? And I'm not sure. Who, who to ask this one of um, but is that in keeping with the the, the newest old um, brewery mantra where we want traditional styles so when people come they're communing with that older brewery yeah I think we just want to make um, really good quality beverages that everyone can enjoy um, the guys at Bridge Road are like our idols they've obviously done so much for the industry not only the industry so much for the town a lot of the reason why people come here is because of bridge road so if we can help to encourage people to maybe stay that extra night that will be really good for everyone and so we want to compliment what they do they obviously catered towards the kind of the high end of the craft market and the incredibly discerning drinkers um, whereas if we can stick to some of the original recipes and try and make really kind of accessible approachable beers for everyone and the family can come here dad can try his first pale ale when he's been drinking lager for a long time. The family can have all their cordial tastings as well. We're trying to have something that everyone can really enjoy. Coming from an industry like printing and design and opening a hospitality-heavy brewing industry business um, that are very different business is business, but there's still a certain esoteric skill set that you have to have for for those how have you found that transition the barbershop has been incredibly <laughs> difficult no it's been hard there's been I, I should add you do have a barbershop <laughs> in addition to uh distillery brewery and uh cordials and soft drinks little museum thrown in there as well but um no it's incredibly difficult and we're still working out to be completely honest we're lucky that we're almost like a startup here which is everyone um, works really well together and they understand that we're going to make a lot of mistakes along the way and if we can kind of support each other through that and prioritize the experience of our guests above everything else um, we'll get there eventually we've still got a really long way to go with our food offering with our drinks portfolio we're still ironing out wrinkles um, but we're making good progress at the same time your experience sounds similar to a lot of people who have uh, looked at the industry. They've come from businesses outside and opened breweries. Um, a lot of them have the home brewing 
background, you've stepped right out um, and into what you saw as potential and an idea. How, you know, what, what have you learned through that process about the, the beer industry and the hospitality industry that has surprised you? Uh, I think I've learned a fair amount about both. Um, I think with the beer industry, just how passionate people are. So when people come here, yes, of course, they want to sit down and enjoy a glass of our beer. But I think when they put a review, whether it be on TripAdvisor or they write an email to let us know, a lot of the time they talk about actually getting to see the process in action, getting to talk with Tony who is brewing on site and they're obviously able to talk to him, seeing into the factory and the canning lines in action and just understanding why we've made the decisions that we have along the way. So yeah, they seem to seem to be an incredibly curious um, group of people and I'm excited about where that industry is headed in terms of in terms of hospitality. Um, I think it's more difficult than I could have ever imagined in terms of um, staffing and the ups and downs and not only the ups and downs of a regular week living in a tourist town where there's not many locals that live here and then it swells to seven times what it typically is on a weekend and then school holidays and Easter a whole another beast altogether I think just trying to cater to that and make sure everyone has a good experience has, has been yeah, it's been really challenging, to be honest. A good challenge, or you're sort of thinking, Gee, maybe design wasn't so bad. <laughs> no, a really good, <laughs> a really good challenge, because I think working in design and working too too many hours a week, a lot of people only get one really good holiday a year. And I know that Tony and I have probably been working seven days straight for the last two years in trying to get this all up and going and off the ground. And so when you do get time away to spend with your family. You want it to be a really memorable and um, enjoyable time. And so making sure that everyone that visits here um, has that experience is so rewarding when they do. <laughs> and so um, when, we, when we got here, we were number 59 out of 59 things to do in Beechworth <laughs> on TripAdvisor. I think we're up to number two or three now. And um, we're hoping to see people make it a part of their their regular holiday. It's so good to see the people that came back from year one when it was full of pigeons and we were telling them the vision for them to see it now, taste some of the new flavours, but still go back to yep, every holiday for the rest of my life. I'm going to go do a cordial sampling at Bilson's, taste the raspberry vinegar and see what see what else they've been up to. It's interesting. I can I think I can honestly say that I've never heard a brewer um, say a TripAdvisor rating because it's we, we live in a craft beer world where it's untapped. Yeah, uh, beer advocate uh, rate beer. You know, <laughs> I've got some expert and but for for a tourist venue, um, having a, a TripAdvisor rating would be incredibly important. It is, especially for a new one that most people have never heard of and they can't just drive along the main street and come across it. We rely completely on word of mouth and people's recommendations, which is why we want everyone that steps here to not only love what they're drinking, but also, yeah, have some good memories from it too. And I can't think of a brewery that has a more family or you know, well-rounded offer because, the, the, as you said, the, the, the kids can come and have a cordial or a soft drink tasting while you know, mum and dad have you know, beer and spirits. 
Yeah, definitely. The the kids love it. Sometimes they've been, you can tell that they've been dragged along to a few wineries over the last <laughs> couple of days. Um, and so to be able to get their own little shot glasses full of cordial <laughs> is very exciting for them. Hopefully not encouraging like any sort of uh, lipstick, lipstick, Sip, suck out rituals or anything like that. You'll, Definitely not. You, you'll get yourself in trouble. Yeah. So, how widely uh, do you distribute the, the, the beers and the cordials? And is is cordials and soft drinks easier business? than beer it's really interesting this is something we're definitely discovering along the way is when we took over the business 100 percent of the sales came from cordial we expected that to really kind of plateau and the beer to take over the lion's share as we've grown the cordial's grown and i think that's testament to to prioritizing the venue experience um but as we launch into soft drinks tonic waters um, and also spirits, we've found that they're nearly growing in equal share. And so we see if you're approaching a local bottle store, you've not only got the 12, 12 other local incredible breweries trying to sell their beer into that store, you've also got some of the really big players as well, whereas there certainly isn't... Um, 14 different craft soft drink local makers trying to sell that in so that it has been there's been less barriers for some of the soft drinks and some of the cordials is there an overlap between the businesses obviously that gives you an advantage in one way but is there something similar in terms of you know dealing with big outlets or that um, you, you you face the same barriers when you, you're dealing with soft drink as you do with the uh, the you know beers it's so funny um, about, to answer your last question in terms of our distribution, 70% of our sales still come from the venue. So we're an incredibly small business and we were lucky enough to get our beers um, or in fact all of our products listed online with Dan Murphy's. So whilst you can't buy them in a physical store, you can order them online. The most popular, and we've got 70 products that we've launched in the last year, and the most p- popular product on Dan Murphy's online has been our sarsaparilla cordial. Why is that? <laughs> I think because not many people make sarsaparilla cordial, not a really good one anyway, but just I think people's drinking repertoire is starting to expand, and yeah, it's something different. Well, I'm definitely going to take home a bottle of uh, sarsaparilla, as, given that that's what we're out here to do, to fill an esky. We've had several people tell us that actually a drop of sarsaparilla in your beer is a great mix. Tony and I tried it on the weekend. Have to get the ratio right. Yeah, it's really interesting. <laughs> okay. Whilst your beer styles are very, very traditional, Tony, are we going to maybe... We've seen some brewers put some interesting ingredients in their beers. Are we going to see a sarsaparilla beer? Oh, I can honestly say I think so. Um, <laughs> there's so many different flavours here to play with and, and they do sort of overlap in terms of um, the whole experience of, of drinking a, a style of, of beverage. So I think there will be a, a lot of an overlap in the different styles coming together. So 12 months in, um, what's next for Bilson's? One of the things that we're really excited to do is start making our own whiskey. And I think that's the ultimate kind of test of a distillery is to go out and source the best barrels. And we're really lucky with some of the incredible winemakers locally to try and source X-Red wine barrels that we can turn into really great whiskey. Um, we'll continue, as I said, to refine all of our recipes and really try and understand 
what the drinkers out there are looking for. I think that's the beauty of some of some of our um, fellow brewers is doing things in small batches means you can actually test the market and people respond well to things that sometimes you don't expect and the things that you think they'll love they're not that into and so we'll continue to kind of listen to the feedback and go along and have the have our products evolve with what people are looking for now i guess you guys haven't got years of sales data to to go on but we're up here visiting because of uh, the, the the recent fires have you noticed any you know downturn uh, or how have you found that they've affected your business yeah so um beechworth is a town that relies incredibly heavily on tourism obviously and so a lot of the businesses would do around 50 percent of their total trade over the months of december and january and so it's incredibly important time for them with us um we were down 80% on December and so we were expecting January to to be bigger than what December was because of the school holidays um, but yeah that we saw an 80% drop in the first two weeks going back to the earlier question around hospitality trying to maintain all the casuals hours and everything was a really big challenge and so we kind of all banded together but I think the thing that well, my take out is is just the response from the community overall following those two weeks, some of the campaigns like the Empty Esky campaign and the Spend With Us campaign um, on the weekend, which is the Australia Day weekend just gone, um, we saw a real uptake, a real increase in people back in the area and that was so exciting to see and I think it was desperately needed by... Um, by lots of the businesses in town so one of the really important things is finding a way to maintain that over the coming months oh terrific hopefully we can uh, help get the word out but uh nathan and tony thank you very much for joining us on beer of the conversation and uh all the best with uh, bilson's and let's go and try one of your beers and maybe a sarsaparilla thank you mate really appreciate it and that was nathan cowan and tony paul If you're heading to Beechworth and the high country, it's well worth a visit, especially if you're traveling with the family. Between the beer and spirits for the grown-ups, there are cordials and traditional soft drinks for the kids to try as well. And after the fires in January, the virus fears that we're now experiencing are playing havoc with the tourism that drives these businesses, not just in the high country, but in all of the fire-affected regions of South Australia, New South Wales and Canberra. If you're thinking or planning a holiday or a weekend away, these are beautiful regions that are well worth supporting at the best of times, but they could really use your support now. And Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryo Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryo Malt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. Your premium brewing partner and proud sponsors of Brews News and Beer is a Conversation. And we thank Convoy Kegs also for their help getting us up to the high country in early February and providing the support so we could get out with our empty esky and spend with them. Congratulations this week to Convoy for launching into New Zealand and we wish them the best in that market.